We're back in studio here in the Lee Company studio in Columbia. Glad to have you guys with us here on Main Street Sports today. Presented by Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao. He's Maurice Patton. And we're coming through. We're there. All right. See, this is one of we. We're back in the Lee Company studio. Glad to have you guys with us. All right. Mo. Chris. What a day. Already. <laughs> what a day we're going to have because. It's, it's, a, it's Monday on a Tuesday, huh? Well, and we did not expect when we got off the air yesterday to have the show we have today. No, no, we did not. We, we anticipated <laughs> something completely different, and I'm hoping we can at least talk about. The, things, the other things we need to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> there are major, major things happening across the. Uh, landscape and sports, including Hall of Fame announcements. announcements coming today. And instead, we are going to have to spend a little time. At least a little. On the Tennessee Titans' new head football coach. Man. How about the Titans being the first to hire a non-interim coach? Huh. How about that? How about that? Did not, did not see that coming. No, not at all. <laughs> so, not at all. Anyway, this is, this is going to be a really good show. We have, of course, Terry's going to join us as he always does, but uh, we'll have Bengals beat writer Laurel Failer joining us. And Justin... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think we're Justin, on. We're, we're not on Twitter yet, but we will be at 205. Um, okay. Not in time. Yeah, for some reason it wouldn't let me uh, send yeah, it off. That's do see. Yeah. So right. it is what it is. We'll be on in just a few minutes on Twitter, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, we've got Laurel. Terry's going to join us to talk talk about the Bengals side and what you know what they what I guess the the feeling that they have up there in Cincinnati, which apparently is sad, but happy, sad to see him go happy that he's got a head coaching position. Well, I, I think you're always exactly happy. You to, I guess you're always happy to see one of your guys advance their career, but I, I want to know more what she sees in Brian Callahan yeah. as a prospective head coach, particularly so. here. So, We'll talk to her about that side. We'll talk to Terry about our side. We'll talk with Chip, Chip Walters about MTSU. They've got a big men's basketball game tomorrow night, and we may have just made the decision to – We may have. <laughs> to, to go live from the Murphy Center or at least somewhere in Murfreesboro tomorrow at some point. Uh, welcome to our friends on, on X. Who are, are they just with now us now? Us. They are with us now. We are, we are good to go. So – Again, great show lined up. Gonna get uh, gonna get into it. We've got a lot of other topics as well. NBA scoring last night. University of Florida football investigation. It's top five Tuesday. We're gonna talk about the top five first year football coaches of all time. So, and I'm a little disappointed that we decided to limit it to football because I had one teed up in another sport. 
Well, no. that's not to say we can't do basketball and baseball later. Maybe no, it's, maybe it's better to do it sport by sport because then we have three more topics opportunities. Instead of one. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Good point. And so we can, we can do that, and and we'll we'll be we'll, we'll be having a lot of fun. So all of that is coming your way here in just a few moments. But before we do anything else, we need to get you to yesterday's results and today's schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. In high school girls basketball on Monday night, after a week-long layoff, Brentwood defeated Summit 72-39. Ravenwood down Centennial 62-47. Page with a 57-49 win over Franklin. It was Nolansville 42, Independence 33. Middle Tennessee Christian with a 71-49 win over Columbia Academy. Clarksville defeated Rossview 46-38. And Kirkwood defeated West Creek 35-41. In boys... High school basketball action. Brentwood with a 65-58 win over Summit. Uh, Ravenwood defeated Centennial 62-55. Franklin with a 60-39 win over Page. Battleground Academy defeated Franklin Grace Christian 62-50. Independence with a 65-56 win over Nolansville. And Columbia Academy defeated Middle Tennessee Christian 64-40. Men's basketball last night. UT Southern down Stillman 85-70. The women fall... 65-44 in NHL action. It was Florida Panthers, a 4-1 winner over the Predators. And the Grizzlies get a 108-100 to win over Toronto and the Raptors. Tonight's high school basketball schedule. These are double headers scheduled to start at 6 o'clock. And we will do our best to keep you as informed as possible. Here we go. Middle Tennessee Christians at Battleground Academy at 6. Seagulls at Blackman. Kirkwood is at Clarksville. <clears throat> Sorry. Good Pasture at Clarksville Academy. Northeast hosting Rossview. Spring Hill is not playing tonight. Grace Franklin is at Columbia Academy. Correct. All right. Wilson Central's at Cookville. Lipscomb Academy is at CPA. Creekwood welcomes Fairview. So Harding goes to Donaldson Christian. Dixon Academy is at home. No, they're not. Just kidding. Brentwood is at Father Ryan. Eagle is at Fayetteville. And University of Na School of Nashville is at Franklin Road Academy. Also, Hendersonville is at Gallatin. Tullahoma goes to Giles County. Hendersonville Christian hosts Dayspring Academy. Kenwood is at Henry County. Lawson goes to Hume Fogg. Cane Ridge is at Hunter's Lane. Independence Academy hosts Pearl Cone. Watertown is at Joe Burns. Antioch goes to Overton. That game's on my TV 30 as it well, is. I believe. Um, Franklin Christian is at Knowledge Academies. Murfreesboro Central is at Lawrence County. STEM Academy is at Lead Academy. Lebanon hosts Laverne. Liberty Creek takes on visiting York Institute. Lauderdale County and Loretto are not playing. Um, White House is at Macon County. Glencliff goes to Martin Luther King. McGavick hosts Hillsboro. Merrill Hyde hosts East Robertson. Sycamore is at Montgomery Central. Beach goes to Mount Juliet. Forest and Mount Pleasant are not playing. Davidson Academy is at Nashville Christian. Upperman goes to Oakland. Summertown is at Perry County. Christian Community goes to Pleasant View Christian. Republic hosts Kip Nashville. Cornersville is at Richland. Rockvale is at Riverdale. And Columbia Central is not at Shelby. 
Lighthouse of Antioch is at South Haven Christian. Clarksville Northwest at Springfield. Stewart's Creek at home against Smyrna. East Nashville goes to Stratford. Maplewoods at Valor Collegiate. Houston County is at Waverly. Providence Christian. That's the first time we've had a Houston County reference, by the way. Welcome to our friends in Houston County who are just now getting to us for the, I guess, it's been about a week since okay. we started going out to Houston. So. Okay. Providence Christians at Webb School, that is a doubleheader. That's not been typically the case yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the feet, but they do have a doubleheader tonight. Dixon County is at West Creek, and Cheatham County is at White House Heritage. Girls only. Ensworth is at Harpeth Hall at 5.30. St. Cecilia is at Pope Prep at 6. Ensworth is at Montgomery Bell Academy and boys basketball at 7.30. And at 7 o'clock tonight, men's basketball, Belmont travels to Illinois State. And that is... No. No. Yes. That yes. is your rundown. Yeah. Oh, there is a remnant from last night still <laughs> on here. Okay. Yeah, so. All right. Let's get into our top story, which is brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly. The big pig. That's right. Neely's Most Shopping Center in Columbia. It is your one-stop shop. Delicious daily lunch specials. They've got fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, and all of their delicious, delicious foods coming to you at uh, Piggly Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. All right. Our top story, of course, is very simple. Mm -hmm. The Tennessee Titans have a new head football coach, and I, for one, am shocked that the Tennessee Titans are the first team to hire a coach who wasn't their coach. Was not expecting them to move that quickly. Kudos to them for doing so. I'm not, I got, I, the jury is still out for me, I guess, on this. Because I don't, I just don't know how I feel relative to some of the other names that were supposedly involved with this search. I'm here to tell you that not a single other name on the list mattered. <clears throat> Brian Callahan was their guy from the get. He was their first virtual interview. He was their first in-person interview and they hired him immediately after they fulfilled all of their, uh, Obligations. Obligations. Brian Callahan was their number one guy, and they got him. Well, now, whether that works out or not, I don't know. But they got their guy. But they got their guy. There you go. I mean, they identified who they wanted, and they got him. And you have to give now, Andy Adams Strunk credit for that. Now, I mean, whether the guy they ID'd is the guy... I guess we'll find out. Yeah, that, that but, remains to be seen. But they ID'd their guy and got him. So I will say this. <clears throat> I'm giving Amy Adams Strunk a lot of credit for being able to do that. Mm -hmm. She has she has certainly been She's certainly been able to get her guy 
in almost every instance. Well, she has, again, she has been decisive in who her guy was, first of all, and, and then gotten him. Now, is she, is she ID and folks that she knows she can get? Maybe, but I think Brian Callahan was in enough other searches and enough other folks' wish list that was he really though? I mean, because I mean, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a piece on CBS Sports right now. It says Callahan became a hot candidate this offseason with the Panthers, with the Falcons and Panthers also looking to get a second interview with him this week. But the Titans shut that down by making him an offer on Monday night that he couldn't refuse. Now, are the Falcons not going with are the Falcons not going with Belichick? And do you really want the Panthers job? Well, there's a familiar name in this area who will be interviewing for it. Right. That one might kind of come back to the there's only 32 of them. I'm here. What I'm going to tell you is this. In that first virtual interview, Amy said, do you want this job? And if he said and he, he probably said yes, clearly. She said, okay, we're going to give you this job. You just got to let us get through the process. And that's why he wasn't interviewing for a bunch of jobs. That's, that's the way I feel like it happened. Mm -hmm. Because again, you don't fire Mike Vrabel if you don't know what you got. Well... And I mean, I've I've said that on other occasions. I don't know that I've necessarily said it in this process, but if you're going to fire somebody, you need to have a good idea of who it is you want, certainly what it is you want. And what I think is interesting about this is, and, and you know, it, we've talked about that particular thing on this show. It in you know in regards to the Rooney Rule and how it's, I mean, Mike Tomlin is the exception to that rule. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to get the job and then he got the got job, the job. Yeah. but almost never has that happened. Otherwise, I, I think, I, I think that these, these NFL co uh, GMs and NFL owners, they know who they want. And I think Thomas Brown and David Shaw were interviewed for positions not head coach. I think I think you're going to see them on this staff in some capacity. That'll be interesting from the standpoint that, you know, first time head coach, relatively young guy bringing somebody on board like a David Shaw isn't the worst thing that he could do probably. Right. I, I think that's, that, that's exactly what he should do. Go get some guys who have, which I mean, you hope that the Browns allow his dad to come with him. Um, you, you hope that, his presence 
brings some of that veteran mindset, how the NFL works. His dad was a head coach, you know. Matter of fact, has, has a pretty big win over the Titans in his career in the AFC Championship game in 03. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting... That's a, that's a stinger right there. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's, his dad's been a head coach. He needs to understand the process and how it, how it works at the NFL level. David Shaw's not been an NFL head coach, but he has the experience, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to work with this defense because this defense is built around Mike Vrabel's mindset, right? So you need someone who has a similar mindset or style, I would think. And I think David Shaw would bring that. So I think those guys were interviewed in in a different fashion. Hmm. I may be wrong. This is all speculation. Well, certainly. And we, I, we, I, I'm not in the room. I've not been in the room. I've not been. I've never been to St. Thomas Sports Park. So please don't take my word as gospel. I'm just telling you the way that it feels. I will tell you that if <laughs> let me rephrase I will tell you that guys are being interviewed for no other reason than to fulfill the Rooney rule and that's unfortunate I think Again, I think Mike Tomlin is the exception, and he's obviously the one you've got to point back to because like a 90s McDonald's commercial, commercial, hey, it could happen. But for the most part, the Rooney Rule has been useless. Well, and when you say it can happen and you only have one occurrence you can point to, to bear that out. In how long? 20 plus years. And I mean, I think that's the thing is, and look, the Titans virtually interviewed a wide range of diverse candidates. And I think we've seen a lot of teams interviewing a wide range of diverse candidates falcons notwithstanding <laughs> but and so i feel like i well i wonder if you know i wonder if it's necessary even at this point because once you go through that first interview why do you have to interview in person You wonder if it's necessary. Is that what you said? Yeah, because I feel like teams are still. Re I think I feel like teams are reaching out to a wide range of diverse candidates, whether the Rooney Rule is in place or not, at this point. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But I would hate to get rid of the rule and find out that they're not. <laughs> Well, I can always re-implement it, I guess. And that would be way worse, though, right? Yeah. Well, but how many times do we say protect the shield, right? If it became a problem, 
Roger Goodell gets him in a room and says, hey, we're not going to re-implement this rule, but by God, you better re-implement this rule. You, you better straighten up and fly around. A double, double secret probation. You see what I mean? Huh? Yeah. Uh, so they're going to protect their image either way, and I feel like that's part of the image because they are certainly trying to uh, flip the script. And and I guess to some degree, this hiring cycle really has the NFL looking decent with Gerard Mayo getting the Patriots job and with Antonio Pierce getting the Raiders job out of what, eight openings? That's 25% already? Well, technically, the Patriots were never open. <laughs> well, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> technically. <laughs> Out of eight changes. Yeah, but but kudos to, to the Patriots for putting that in Gerard Mayo's contract. Mm -hmm. Even if nobody knew folks that. had limited knowledge of it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if nobody knew. So, um, and you know, that's kind of like, if it's real, if it's charity, why are you telling everybody about it? Yeah. It's not charity if you want the credit for it. Mm -hmm. So it's not. I, I think the Patriots keeping it quiet actually makes the Patriots look better. Look what we did. That's fair. <laughs> well, yeah. they, they were they weren't worried about accolades for it. They just did, they it. did it. And yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, folks, we don't have an opening. <laughs> Because y'all didn't know. Yeah, we, we got our guy. Uh, yeah, good luck to y'all. So Anyway, Titans hiring Brian Callahan. This is going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. And we're going to talk to someone who has had some interaction with him over the last couple of years in Cincinnati when we come back from a break. So stick around. Right here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We talk with Laurel Faylor right after this. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. 
We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, live from the Lee Company studio. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton coming to you. And I will tell you, Mo, last week was kind of crazy. It was a blur. Mm-hmm. Didn't think this week was going to get crazier. And yet now, it has. And it's gotten crazier, but it's also kind of the culmination Finally. of some of the crazy. Right. And I think this is going to allow us to maybe take a bit of a, a rest and a breath mm-hmm. from the other, at least part of this hire in the Titans. And so wanted to get someone with a little more working knowledge of the Bengals organization and Brian Callahan specifically. And that is why, we have with us Dayton Daily News. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Dayton yep. Daily News. Uh-huh. Bengals beat writer. Uh, Laurel, is it Fowler or Failer? Failer. I was very impressed when you said it right the first time. We're hoping. It happen a lot. We felt like we kind of had a 50-50 shot at it. <laughs> well, most but. people go Fowler, just the way the H is in there throws people off. So. That's exactly what I said after we went to break. I was like, oh, crap, is it failure or fa- – oh, no. <laughs> so I'm glad I got it right. There you go. There you go. Blind you know, squirrels and nuts. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think the Titans coaching search was a blind squirrel and nuts situation, no. though. Laurel, on your end, what do you gather regarding the Titans' pursuit of – Brian Callahan. Yeah, it seems like he was kind of their guy all along. Um, first one to get in an in-person interview, and it seems like they didn't want him to leave. So, um, yeah, it uh, kind of reminds me of how the Bengals kind of rebuilt their their team around Zach Taylor. You know, people when when the Bengals hired Zach Taylor, everyone said, "Well, he doesn't even have offensive coordinator experience. He's going to be calling the plays as a head coach and managing a whole team." He doesn't have that experience. Well, people kind of, you know, I've seen people talking about that with Brian Callahan, you know, doesn't have, you know, he, he doesn't call the plays in Cincinnati, but obviously he's had that offensive coordinator title for, for five years. And he's been a big part of what the Bengals have done offensively. So um, I think it's, you know, he's viewed as a great young offensive mind in the NFL. And it, you know, it seems like a good hire for Tennessee for sure. 
from your dealings with him, what do you like about him as he comes into this situation down here? I mean, he's as a you know a media person dealing with him every week. Uh, he's been great to work with. Uh, you know, he's very. You can tell he's very knowledgeable. Uh, he has a ton of experience working with great quarterbacks, which I think is going to bode well with well uh, Will Levis there. Um, seems like he'll be um, able to get that offense going with him, and then um, just. He's very well read. Just you know, you can he can he's just very knowledgeable. You can tell that even though you know he has a strong quarterback background, that he really knows the whole game and uh, just some of the stories that he tells. You can tell he watches the game from not just you know an offensive coordinator perspective. He kind of sees the games from all all angles, and um, so I, I think he's going to be great. He's going to be great for the culture of the you know that was a big thing that the Bengals when they brought Zach Taylor in, they were all about you know kind of rechain retooling the, the culture in Cincinnati and Brian Callahan was a big part of that. So I, I think that uh, that's going to bode well for the locker room there. You know, it's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned culture because that has been one of the biggest factors in Mike Vrabel's tenure here, in, you know, in Tennessee was that culture. And it feels like it's a complete culture shift from, you know, hard nosed old school football to, new wave analytics driven football. So, you know, <laughs> how, how has that been, I guess, portrayed in Cincinnati? Because obviously the entire organization in Cincinnati is really uh, working well with that. I mean, they've been to a Super Bowl, so it must be working okay. Yeah, I think the, the big key for with Brian Callahan is that he's just been uh, you can kind of see the offense has kind of shifted as needed with, you know, it, it was obviously built in Joe Burrow, but, you know, what we saw this year when he went down, they were able to kind of rework things a little bit to make Jake Browning, who had no NFL experience, uh, he was able to find some success, win four games um, out of the seven that he started. And they kind of, you know, tweaked the offense to to make it work around him. And, and I think that that's, and you mentioned analytics. I mean, that is a big part of, I think just these younger coaches, that's something that they bring is that openness, I think a little bit more openness to uh, using the data and kind of, you know, they they obviously view stats a little bit different than we in the media do, but uh, they definitely use it to their advantage. And um, I just think that's something that, that Brian Callahan's going to bring is just, um, you know, new ideas. And obviously he's going to take some ideas from what they did in Cincinnati. Because uh, like I said, he, he was obviously a big part of what, the, what Zach Taylor did with the offense and, um, it'll be interesting to see how that works in Tennessee, where, you know, for a long time, I know it was built around Derrick Henry. So um, we'll see how that kind of things out. Laurel Faylor, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Dayton Daily News, joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, Laurel, is it just a given that... Cleveland Browns offensive line coach Bill Callahan will join his son here in Nashville. I mean, do you, do you feel like that is the plan? Is everybody going to cooperate for that to take place? Do you think? Well, I don't personally know Bill Callahan, but I do know and in, in talking with Brian Callahan on multiple occasions, he has mentioned um, wanting to someday coach with his dad. So I, you know, it seems like a perfect opportunity for them to, to work together and, um, and that would be a, a great get for Tennessee. Um, I know the Browns don't want to lose them, but um, yeah, that'd be a, a great pairing. It, the Browns probably don't want to lose him. And 
I'm not sure Bill wants this challenge because this offensive line has not been very good the last couple of years. I mean, they need him more than he needs them for sure. So he's going um, to help his son, right? One, <laughs> you one would think, one would think, but again, he might look at it and say, you know what, you're on your own on that one, bro. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy, you should have taken a better job. No. Yeah. I, well, and asking Jimmy Haslam to not be a jerk is a pretty big ask. So I'm just saying. Yeah, this might not be as smooth as you would like to think that it would be. Right. But, I mean, if you get him, I guess one of the positives of it is you would think offensive linemen, and as you talk about the cap space that the Titans have to work with and that kind of Plenty thing, of I would think that this would be an attractive place for offensive linemen to be if Bill Callahan well, is coaching them. One offensive lineman in particular, Laurel, let's talk about your tackle, who is a free agent. How much do the Bengals want to keep that offense as much intact as possible, and can they do it with just $60 million in cap space considering they got to pay Jamar Chase? Yeah, it's going to be tough because, yeah, Jamar Chase is coming up. And then, uh, you know, Joe Burrow insists that T. Higgins is going to be back. So I don't know how they're going to work all that out. I mean, there's the franchise tag that they could use to keep T. Higgins. but um, Oak Ridge yeah. native. Oak Ridge, yeah. Tennessee native T. Higgins. Former Tennessee Titan, Mr. Football. T. Higgins. <laughs> we, we did in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I mean, that right tackle spot, I mean, Jonah Williams proved that he can start at left and right tackle. He's going to be a, I think he's going to be a highly coveted uh, tackle in free agency. So it's going to be hard, I think, for the Bengals to, to meet whatever price he's looking for. I think there'll be teams that are willing to give it to him just because he was able to show that versatility. And um, I don't know, you talk about the, the Titans offensive line. I mean, it kind of reminds me of just the Bengals where they were just a few years ago. So uh, just because you might not think you have the greatest offensive line, uh, you know, the Bengals showed that they were able to kind of retool that. And even when it wasn't great, that, they went to the Super Bowl the year that they had all those issues on their offense. Oh, the line. year that the Titans had, what, 10 sacks? I thought it was 11. And lost I guess can't count on yeah. every can't count on every opposing quarterback to throw three picks, unfortunately. <laughs> so it is yeah. Obvious. But yeah, you're right. This this has been, and sometimes scheme helps your offensive line. And not being a Derrick Henry first option team, very well could if Brian Callahan's able to bring that type of offense to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I think it. it there's going to be a lot of similarities I think we're going to see between uh, the the Titans and just how the Bengals can, like I said, it just seems like there's so many uh, parallels there with the offensive line. And, uh, you know, just trying, like you mentioned, I think Brian Callahan with the scheme is going to be able to kind of work around some of those issues maybe. So it'll be interesting to watch. Will indeed. Again, Laurel Faylor joining us here on main street sports today, presented by mid Tennessee bone and joint and, we certainly appreciate you taking some time with us today and telling us a little bit about Brian Callahan in particular. I, just overall, the what you're seeing from Cincinnati fans, it, it, it feels like, because I've got a couple of folks who are Bengals fans that on Twitter that I've talked with, and it seems they're sad 
to lose him, which is a positive for Tennessee, and they're happy to see, but they are also happy to see him get that that next step. Yeah, I mean he's a he's just a good person. You can just tell in conversations. He's just he just comes off like this great guy, and you know, and um, so you're getting a good one, I think, and yeah, just a, a good mind that that's coming to Tennessee, and I think uh, that'd be good. We shall we shall take it because <laughs> we have no other option. So we're going to talk about it at least yeah. for the next couple of years. And Laura, we appreciate you taking time with us again, and look forward to. Uh, to, to maybe getting back with you when maybe uh, Nashville SC comes to town. I know FC Cincy, that was a, that was a big, big match last year and had a, a lot of fun. So Nashville and Cincinnati. Kind yeah, of I'd be, love talking soccer too. So anytime. All right. Thanks Laura. We appreciate it. Thank you. Let's take a break Mo, because we have a ton of topics we need to broach, including major league baseball's hall of fame voting, which, uh, will be the the hall of fame nominees will be released later today mm-hmm. so we'll take a break when we come back main street sports Day presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint continues after this Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the pig. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, live from the Lee Company studio in Columbia. For at least once this week. <laughs> yeah, because apparently we will be, we will not be vacating the premises on Friday. <laughs> probably next Monday as probably well. Probably Monday so. as well, and, and all of that. And we have to decide whether we're going to be on premises tomorrow. You know... <clears throat> I think it makes more sense for us not, actually, as we consider I mean, I, it, things. Not just the show, not just a 6.30 tip between Jacksonville State and MTSU, but bowling just happens to be taking place in Smyrna. just north of Murfreesboro. So it, and we can't do it there. It, no. Yeah. Yeah. Thunder all day long. All <laughs> day long. <laughs> Good Lord. Those of you who are going to the state bowling tournament tomorrow, we've got kids from Columbia Central, from Lawrence County, from Spring Hill, and from Columbia Academy. If you are going and you've not been, earplugs. Thank me later. <laughs> Trust us. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, first, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting has ended. They will announce the inductees mm -hmm. future inductees today at some point five o'clock eastern no five o'clock our time six eastern okay yeah. so if you had to guess mm -hmm. who do you think gets in sounds like adrian beltray is a walkthrough yeah Literally everyone had to with every every person who didn't reveal their bracket to the tracker or, or their their ballot to the tracker would have to say no to Adrian Beltre. And I'm not sure that would even be enough. I'm, I'm not even sure that would be enough. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it sounds like Adrian Beltre is gonna get in first ballot. Congrats to him. Um sounds like um former Tennessee quarterback Todd Hilton is gonna get in. It certainly appears. You know, to the point that um, friend of the show, Rockies.com beat writer Thomas Harding is in Knoxville today. That's awesome. Um, sounds like former Minnesota catcher Joe Maurer is going to get in. This is his first year on the ballot as well, I, so. I believe. Yeah. So, um, and obviously Jim Leland was already voted in by um, one of the subcommittees. Right. So so it sounds like those are going to be the four that actually get in. What is heartbreaking slash irritating? You don't think Billy Wagner gets in? I don't think so. He's in fact, I think I saw somewhere that Billy Wagner is, is going to be at baseball practice rather than waiting on a phone call. 
Is it seventy-eight point five percent in the tracker? Now I know that normal that that number typically goes Comes down. down. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, I, I I mean I think he's on the fringe. Um, he's either going to be two or three votes ahead or two or three votes behind. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think he's right there. Somebody else who's on the wrong side of right there, as I was saying, Gary Sheffield in his final year of eligibility. Um, one of the trackers has him at 74%. Guess what you got to have to get in? This tracker right here with 50.8% of the ballots known. 74.9%. Mm -hmm. Not just 74, 74.9. And I don't think they round up. <laughs> yeah. no. and again it requires 75 percent to get in and this is again this is his final year so i feel like sheffield still has a chance i think a lot of the people who don't reveal their ballots or send them to the tractor <clears throat> i feel like No, it's Sheffield's last year. I'm hopeful because I think Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Fame. If he's not now, he will be with the competition committee or whatever it is mm -hmm. that inducted McGriff. If he doesn't get in this way, he'll get in that way. I hate for him to have to wait. Yeah, but then I hate it for McGriff to have to wait either. Um, I don't think Andrew makes it. Andrew's not going to make but it. But I do think he's trending in yep. the right direction, and he's still got time. I think Andrew is going to get in, if not next year, then then the year after. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any any. And, and I think I think that's probably Billy Wagner's situation as well. I think he gets in either next year or the year after. But I'd I'd, I'd love to see him get in this year. I think he deserves it. But you know, we'll see. That that postseason, those postseason numbers have really hurt him, mm, yeah. and and I hate that because mm -hmm. if you don't include the postseason, he's, he may be the greatest closer of all time, including Mariano Rivera. He's certainly in the conversation. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I, I really feel like that, that that's your that's it. I mean, is Beltran? going to make it in the next couple of years as well? I think he is going to make it in the next couple of years. I don't think he's going to make it this year, though. I think Wagner, Jones, Beltran get in either next year or the year after. After that, I don't know. We shall see. Be a heck of a class, though, if you're talking about Beltran, Maurer, Helton, Leland, mm -hmm. and maybe or maybe not Gary Sheffield. Solid. It's heck of a class. Um, let's talk about some things that happened over the weekend we didn't get to yesterday. Stanford's women's basketball coach, Tara Vanderveer, becomes the all-time winningest coach in college basketball with 1,203 wins passing Coach K. Yeah, you've got two of the all-time toughest names to spell in college basketball history. Atop those lists? At, at the top. 
of that list. Yeah. Um, fortunately, didn't cover a whole lot of ACC basketball. Didn't have to deal with Shashevsky. <laughs> but um, did get to cover a few UT Stanford games and had to check myself on Vanderveer every time I typed it. Uh, you gotta, you can't forget that extra R. Mm-hmm. Well, the extra E either. Yeah, it's not Van de Ver. Mm-hmm. It's Van de Veer. With Van a capital D. Is it? Mm-hmm. I changed it. Holly Rowe does not have a capital D, so I was going by her. Yeah. Who so, did? Holly Rowe. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can see why you would trust Holly. <laughs> that saying. makes perfectly good sense. <laughs> but Tara's wiki. And her and her Twitter, but mm-hmm. I did not know that she had a Twitter yeah. <laughs> at the time. But yeah, so I was just kind of I, I was going by that when I when I looked for it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty big accomplishment to one be able to coach long enough to win that many games, <sighs> to be successful enough to do it at I mean at at one school at one school, and that's she, the thing. And she took some time off in the middle of her coaching career to coach Team USA as well. And she stepped away from Stanford and coached Team USA on a full-time basis for some period of time. Two years? 95, 96? That sounds right. No, a year Okay. to coach um, the 96 team. So. Hall of Famer? She's in the Basketball Hall of Fame and the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, of course, <laughs> and uh, has done it all, man. <clears throat> of course, she did spend some time at Idaho and Ohio State, as well as Stanford. As wow. head coach? Did not know that. Head coach, unless otherwise noted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she didn't do it all at one school. But, yeah, but. But she's been at Stanford since. The 85 86 season, which is since before I was born. There you go. <laughs> She's been there since before I was born. Mm. That's incredible. So, congratulations to Tara. She knows she has been a staple in this business. And, and I don't think that there are few women's coaches who, especially at that level, that I like. She's a person that you can like. She's a likable person. She doesn't go out there and talk trash. She just gets it done on the court. Yeah. And and again, she's gotten it done everywhere she's been. So it's um I mean, Ohio State was ranked number seven her final year before she left. Um let's let's get into Florida. <laughs> The Tampa Bay Times, <laughs> or mm-hmm. is that what it is? The Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Times <clears throat> put a open records request in for any communication between the NCAA and Florida regarding investigations. Just so happened there is one. <laughs> and and darndest thing, huh? Well, it's it's funny because you know one of the things that I had mentioned in our text chain about this was is this 
Jeremy Pruitt 2.0. Well, if that's the case, they would have told everybody they were under investigation. They wouldn't need an open records request. There you go. So, <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe that's not. not the case. But, but it would certainly make sense if that were the case. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, there's no question because Billy Napier is under fire, yeah. to say the least. That's, that's an understatement. And now the Jaden Rashada debacle is coming to light as this is an interesting situation. Apparently there was the $13 million NIL deal that you can't predicate on enrollment or anything else in a certain school. Rashada ended up not going to Florida, went to Arizona State, which whatever. <clears throat> Interesting choice. Here's, here's my sideline to that. If Florida's if Florida was going to give him $13 million and he didn't go. How much did Arizona State give him? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, unless they, well, I mean, he still wants his $13 million from the Florida folks. And he's entitled to it. And that's how this thing came about. Mm -hmm. uh, I will be shocked if Florida does not get hit pretty hard with this. Well, especially after what they did to Florida State for facilitating a meeting between a player and his family and the collective. And that's all they did. According to The Athletic, the NCAA is specifically looking into Florida staff member Marcus Castro-Walker and Booster Hugh Hathcock from The Athletic. According to the two sources with knowledge of the investigation, the NCAA has inquired about the role of Florida staff member Marcus Castro-Walker, who is listed on the school's website as Director of Player Engagement and NIL, and Hugh Hathcock of Booster, who pledged $12.6 to athletics to Florida's athletic department in April 2022, later launched the Gator Guard Collective, Multiple Hathcock tweets posted right before Rashada's commitment, hinting at a great day coming for Florida, also alluded to possible involvement in the deal. <clears throat> this is exactly what NIL was not supposed to be, and yet here we are. Hmm. And the NCAA is, here's, here's the problem. The NCAA is starting to say, oh, crap, we messed up. Now we've got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Except they did that with the transfer portal, and now where are we? The transfer—I mean, the the, the one-year transfer rule. They started enforcing it. <clears throat> Court said, "No, sir, no, sir. Nope. You have created the—you've already set the precedent, and so you and, can't and start changing rules." Yep, now. yep. You cannot get that genie back in that bottle. Won't fit. And so. <laughs> This is going to be the catalyst for all of the congressional hearings that are going on, 
This is going to be the deal. Because if Florida fights this, they're effectively saying that we want to be able to pay our people to come here no matter what. And if they don't come here, we don't want to pay them. That's what you're saying. You are now on the other side of that argument, Florida. Or you're going to pay them that $12.6 million to play at Arizona State. <laughs> I don't think that's what they want to do. No. But I will say this. I do think that you have to fulfill some sort of obligation. I mean, if you're Jaden Rashada, they have to be able to use your name, image, and likeness in order to recoup their money. Well, I mean, and, and how does how does Florida use Arizona State quarterback Jaden Rashada's well, name, image, and likeness? In poor light? Mm. I, I mean, the, the Gator Club or whatever it is, they can use whatever they need to use. It's going to be interesting. This this whole thing, this mm -hmm. this particular piece mm -hmm. is going to it, it's going to go one way or the other. It's going to tip the scales. Anytime you're talking about twelve point six million, you're going to tip the scales. It's a lot of money on one kid. On one kid, exactly right. <clears throat> Finally, the University of Alabama golf team has a, well, I, I guess a little free publicity <laughs> as Nick Dunlap won a PGA Tour event as an amateur over the weekend. The unfortunate part, he can't even get the, power, the prize money. Okay, now why can't he? Because he's an amateur. Well, I get that, but I mean in this age of... Because they're not... They, they're paying him for his performance. performance and not his name, image, and likeness. Wow. That's tough. It's stupid. <laughs> that it's not like the university is paying him. Well, it's like kind of like just to speak on this a little bit of the amateur part, it sounds kind of stupid at uh, face value. Yeah, but right. Is it a PGA thing or is it an NCAA thing? I think it's it, both. It's PGA. Um, so if you're declared an amateur, it's sort of like you're getting the shot to be in the tournament, similar to how NCAA is like, hey, we're giving you a education so we don't have to, or we're don't have to pay you. Um, I mean, it's it's unbelievably rare for an amateur to even make the cut. For the one last amateur win. to win was who, Justin? Uh, I think it was like in the 1700s. No, it was Phil Mickelson in 1991. Oh, it was Phil. It was Phil. Yeah, sorry about that. 1991. So yes, when you say incredibly rare, they're just they're just happy to be there. Like that's what, thirty-two <laughs> years. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't care about the money. I guarantee it. And that is uh, well, he doesn't. I because, go that far. He doesn't because now what does he get because of this, Justin? What is so he gets, he gets his tour card immediately, uh, which that's all that and, matters. Right, and that, that that gives him exemption for the next year at least, and he'll always get to play that tournament that he won every every year. Regardless so, of how we like it. So I guess he'll be turning pro at the end of this year then since he's got his card, right? My guess is the University of Alabama is about to lose a golfer. Nick, yeah, Nick Dunlap. <laughs> um, so. 
But get, this is a weird Get ready to try to fill that, that scholarship, y'all. <laughs> Nick's out. Oh, man. H- have you... Have you ever seen the, I mean, the proud father? Look at this. I mean, just, just his, his dad is just like gleaming. Dude. With pride. Dude. I'm not going to hate on that. No. He said, <laughs> I knew my son had the potential when he shot 59 at 12 years old. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, so, congrats to Nick Dunlap on a historic win in the Amex. Uh, just insane. Yeah, that's wow. insane. That's literally crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's happened where amateurs have been leading on the first day, but four straight days beating pros? No, never happened. Okay, so here's the question. <laughs> Some folks are saying that Liv has made him a $25 million offer. <laughs> Do you take the money? Yeah. Call me Steve Miller. Yeah. I mean, and run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, two years ago, you wouldn't have. But. No, I don't see any reason not to at this point. I think it's something to consider for sure. I would I would uh, hit up the PGA Tour and be like, all right, what do you got for me? <laughs> this leverage. I think I'd hit up an Alabama collective. Yeah. What Oof. have you got for me? Hello. Golf ain't never made no money. We might make some this time around. Mm-mm. So anyway, I, I want to see uh, North Carolina A&T take on Alabama in golf. What's with J.R. Smith. With J.R. Smith. There you go. Yeah, let's see if we can get that set up. Yeah. Put it on Golf Network. It'll make some money. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. Let's take a break. Terry McCormick is standing by. We need to talk more Brian Callahan. Right? We will right after this. Stick around. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back in. Time now for your Daily Titans update. Terry, we're back in the studio. It's nice to see you, though. Oh, that's cool. Look at us. We oh, got look at us. We're so cool. Yeah, guys back together again. There we go. <laughs> and, and Terry, I guess your job got a little easier <laughs> today. Well, yesterday evening. Well, in- in some aspects, yes, because we now know who the Titans' next head coach is with the hire of Brian Callahan. Of course, in some ways, 
it's just beginning because now he's got to flesh out a coaching staff, uh, you know, everything from, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all the position coaches. You know, you don't know if he's going to keep anybody from Mike Brable's staff that's already here and under contract or all those guys are going to be free to walk. Uh, it also starts to trigger, you know, who fits and who doesn't as far as who's on an expiring contract and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a chance that maybe a guy or two that wouldn't have fit had Brable stayed in place might get a new lease on life. And conversely, there's a guy that maybe, uh, you know, that they would have kept under Brable. Now they, they say, you know, go your own way and, uh, you know, good luck to you. So it, it's all just starting now, and it, it should flesh itself out over the next week or two with the coaching staff, especially they'd like to have, I would think, most of that in place by the time the Senior Bowl and the Combine are done and then uh, turn their attention to free agency in the draft. From what you understand, uh, it, it seems to be common knowledge that Brian Callahan was their guy from the get but what what do you feel like the basis is for that? What do you feel like it is that they liked about him that made him their guy? Well, I think it's probably a lot of the work that he's done with quarterbacks over the years. Uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously what he's done with Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, he worked with Peyton Manning, gleaned some knowledge from him, that sort of thing helped to develop Burrow, but also helped to develop Jake Browning. You know, they said, I was told that when Burrow went down, that Callahan was very instrumental in kind of streamlining and tailoring the Bengals playbook into what would fit Jake Browning's style and make him, give him the chance to be most successful. And according to a story, I think it was Dan Pompey or somebody in the athletic had written a story a year or two ago about Callahan, I guess, that knack for doing that goes all the way back to when he was a low-level assistant with the Denver Broncos and was working with Tim Tebow. He went and researched and analyzed and took some of the Florida Gator concepts that certainly were foreign at that time in the NFL, the RPO stuff and that sort of thing, and incorporated that into the Broncos playbook to make Tebow more comfortable. And Tebow won six games in a row and also – a playoff game that year. So I think that was a feather in his cap too. So now going forward with Will Levis, it appears that, uh, you know, Brian Callahan will be tasked with molding him into what he does well and maximizing his potential in the Titans offense. Look, you know, this, this is what we talked about in the beginning of the show. Mo, do you feel like Brian Callahan, now that we, have seen this all play out, was their guy from the get? I think he was right up there at the top of their list. I absolutely do. I mean, there may have been another guy or two like uh, a Mike McDonald and Aaron Glenn from the defensive side of the ball or a Bobby Slowick. I think they probably, because Callahan was the first guy that the name got out, they were interviewing him, and he was the first guy to get a second interview. So that tells me right there that he was, near the top of their list, if not right at the very top. And, you know, they've offered him the job. He's accepted it. So it's not like one of these situations where he turned them down and goes somewhere else. The Titans are left to take their second, third, or fourth choice or whatever it may be. 
as we've seen sometimes it, these coaching searches do. This is going to be a complete change in philosophy, a complete change in the way the Titans do business. How, how quickly do we see, I guess, some roster changes to reflect that? Well, I think you'll start seeing it as soon as free agency opens in March. I think you'll you'll see them start to add some players and they'll let some players, you know, move on and that sort of thing. I think, uh, you know, Brian Callahan, like you said, this is a complete 180 to what the Titans are used to in terms of coaching philosophy. You're going into the 21st century. You know, you're not trying to be the 1986 Giants anymore. You're, you know, going to use the pass game. You're going to try to get weapons on the outside, find a way to protect Will Levis and push the ball down the field, which certainly is a strength of his. And I think that in terms of, of all of that, it's going to take a while to find all the pieces that fit. So this this is going to be probably more than a one-year type of deal to figure all this out because you've been doing it one way for so long. Now you're going to do it a different way. And so it's going to take some time to find out who fits, how it works together, and what's the best best path going forward to get there. You got to think though that at least at least you have a one year head start with Rand Carthen, right? I mean, he his draft last year clearly puts this type of uh, of mindset in the forefront. Oh, I, I think you're exactly right. I think you look at uh, Levis, you look at Tajay Spears. Uh, you know, those are two important building blocks going forward in this. And you got to remember where Carthon comes from. He comes from the 49ers coaching, or you know, front office uh, tree. So he's used to working with teams that are offense first, you know, run by Kyle Shanahan, which is kind of, you know, the McVay system is an offshoot of the Shanahan system, which is where Callahan comes from in the McVay system. So there's there are similarities there that will allow them to get on the on the same page pretty quickly here, I would think, in terms of Rand Carthon knowing exactly what types of players Brian Callahan's going to want uh, to put into this team. Tough to think, Terry, that Bill Callahan won't be coming with him. <laughs> um, what does that do for this offensive line rebuild that is a must? Well, if he gets to come with him, then I think that that, you know, kind of, jump starts things in terms of making this line better he'll be able to get the the most out of what they have there and also probably bring two or three pieces in from the outside that uh, he can mold and shape right away uh, i gotta believe you know callahan's very respected in terms of uh, his history as an offensive line coach and being able to coach that position much like couple of guys who've been here before him and Mike Munchak for a long time and then Russ Grimm for a couple of years uh, on Mike Malarkey's staff. So I think uh, in that area, if they're able to land Bill Callahan to go with Brian Callahan, then it certainly bodes well for this offensive line getting better maybe sooner rather than later. I would agree. I would agree completely. This is, let me ask you this. How surprised were you when you started seeing this happen? I mean, were well, you shocked I mean, that it came so quickly? 
a little bit, but there were kind of signs of it yesterday. You could kind of see, and some people were starting to, you know, put it out there that, you know, he's already got his second interview, and they certainly didn't want him to get away and go to Atlanta or Carolina, who were both interested in doing a second interview with Callahan. So once they satisfied the Rooney rule, and I think Thomas Brown is also a potential candidate to join this staff, I think that's one of the reasons they brought him in for a second interview in person was not only to fulfill the Rooney rule, which is the league obligation, but also to kind of gauge where he is and if he would be willing to take a rule on this uh, Callahan staff, maybe to kind of wipe some of the stench off of him that was there from Carolina last year. Yeah. Hey, and speaking of Carolina, let me ask you, have you heard rumors that Vrabel is interviewing with the Panthers? <laughs> I have not heard that yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I saw I saw I, mean, I saw a report out there that, or or maybe it's just a tweet. I don't remember where I saw it, but I did see that he may be interviewing with the Panthers, which would be a imagine Bill Belichick with the Falcons, Mike Vrabel with the Panthers, both in the NFC South. Wouldn't that be interesting? Both Ooh. get to play each other twice a year, and twice uh, a year. yes. And and both of them now trying to figure out a way to stop Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, who are the best team in that division, just because they're the only one with a quarterback right now. Isn't that something? It's incredible. Isn't that something? Now, now Mayfield's a free agent, right? He is a free agent, but I think I, I don't think I, you know you use the franchise tag. I don't think you let that guy get out the door. And then the first thing he said though about coming back was he said. I want to come back, but you better have Mike Evans back here too. <laughs> like, I, smart I'm not, man. I'm not coming without Mike. Yeah. <laughs> that is smart. Yeah. Uh, well, we appreciate it as always, Terry. Look forward to, to getting to know Brian Callahan and, and getting your reports from him uh, whenever you guys get a chance. Do you have any idea when you may get some media time with him at this point? I'm Do you have any idea when it's going to be official? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Everybody's been asking that. I think uh, it's possible that maybe something late this evening would, would happen, making the announcement official. Uh, my guess is that when they do the press conference, you know, because it's such a big deal, changing a, whenever you change a head coach or a general manager, you know, you want to give that guy to go, time to go home, get the wife and kids and get them all down here so that they can be there and present for the press conference. I know that's what they did last Especially year. Especially since you didn't let him leave yesterday. Yeah. I mean, they, they all but kidnapped this guy, apparently. This is true. So he might want to go, he might want to go get a change of clothes at the very least. He might want to go tell his wife what he did while he was in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a phone. He can text her. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure that's the type of news you want to deliver other than face-to-face, -face, but, I mean, hey, hey honey, maybe him and her got a better relationship than me and mine do. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, let's just, put this, let's just put it this way. If he texts her and says, honey, I'm taking a job in Nashville to coach the Titans, she's like, really? Did you consult me? And then, then when he spits out the salary and the contract information, she's like, Okay, I'll start house shopping. You you think she'll be okay with it? Okay. Well, right. I think she'll be all right with it. But I well, love the uh, weather here. Honey, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> There's snow everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Now's the time. If, if you love the weather in Cincinnati, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Come on. Oh, Terry, we appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll get with you tomorrow. Tell us about Zen Sports.
the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports Play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joy. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton, live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. And the Burv joins us as he does each and every Tuesday as we come to you from the WKOMKRM studio. Headquarters and studio here in the here in the dimple, where Chip Walters once toiled, once toiled. How long was it that you po you posted on your Facebook? Uh, uh, first uh, first words ever I ever said on the air were forty five years ago, sometime this summer. Uh, that would have been nineteen seventy nine. Uh, my first job there was. Uh, I was actually a board op uh, running Nashville Sounds games, uh, and um, and I had to put in the commercials, the local commercials for the Sounds broadcast, and uh, and then sometime that fall was started doing a little disc jockeying, spinning the tunes over in the AM studio, which 
we were a top 40 station then and and uh and then uh that november let's see was it that november or no it would have been the november of 80 no 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 november of that year uh of 79 uh, i started doing central high school basketball games and uh as a junior in high school so uh a lot of good memories of course i was low man on the totem pole which meant that i had to work christmas morning and uh in there at like you know five o'clock on christmas morning and one of the things we did back then was the union carbide plant in columbia was going strong and they made batteries so we had just cases and cases of nine volt double a c d triple a batteries from the union carbide plant so in addition to playing all the christmas music i was doling out batteries to people who were just walking up to the front door <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> you know the other thing that was really cool though you know you know like when you come in the front door there's an office to the right receptionist desk right there and then there's a little hallway to the right and there's a room back in there. I'm not sure what's in there now, but back in the late 70s, early 80s, that's where the that's where the AP machine and the UPI machine were. And the AP machine was one of the old style typewriters. I mean, it was ching 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 ching. When it would start going, bells would go off if there wasn't a you know a, a, a breaking news story. But but I mean, it had the typewriter. Not you know, it wasn't the you know, like a fax machine or anything. It was, it, it was a mechanical machine. And, uh, and it was, I mean, you go back there and you would literally rip and read, uh, just, you know, pull the AP copy off. It was awesome. And that, that, I mean, it felt like a real, it was a real radio station. Hmm. Was being the operative word. <laughs> um, let's, let's fast forward 45 years. Seems yep. like there's a lot of activity going on in a sport that isn't playing right now in Murfreesboro. I think I've seen like three more assistant coaches here over the past few days for football. I think you're you're right, and and you you happen to have the uh, you have the ability to have the laptop in front of you. Uh, I, I've met a couple of those guys. I uh, the uh, in in the uh, the latest one was what the uh, linebacker coach that came out today. Um, you had the running back coach, uh, Coach Gans, who was former quarterback at Nebraska. He is he was on the staff with Brody Reader at uh, Northern Iowa. So I think they come in in kind of lockstep of what they want to do. And 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 Coach Reader, when he retweeted the announcement about about Gans, um, he, uh, he, he had a really interesting statement talking about all of the skilled players on offense are going to be coached the same way, same language, same expectations. Uh, so I, I kind of can't wait to talk to him and dig deep, dig a little deeper on that and see, see what, what uh, his process is on that. I think one of the hires is particularly intriguing, Chip, in that um, former MTSU player 
Luke Paschal is back as special teams coordinator. Last couple of years, yeah, Luke is from Dixon, uh, played for the Cougars at Dixon County High School and uh, matriculated uh, at the in in the borough. And you know he is he's been he's been around in coaching for a while now. And you know he was he was on Larry Fedora's staff at North Carolina last couple of years. He's been special teams coordinator uh, at uh, Louisiana and, and in particular there, they put up some, you know, pretty gaudy, uh, special teams numbers. And, uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, having, uh, a guy who is, uh, a bit of a legacy in the program that has, you know, you know, has been some places now coming back home and, and also, you know, I'm sure he'll be one of those that will be heavily regarded as far as recruiting in the mid-state area. And, you know, already uh, Coach Mason and, and his and, you know, the former staff that was still on staff at the time and, and now the, the new members of the staff have, have put a pretty heavy emphasis on making it very, very public that they want to be involved in the local schools and in the mid-state schools. You know, I, I still go back. One of the most impressive things was the one day where they hit 59 schools mm-hmm. in one day. And, oh, uh, and, and, and do what? Got another mid-state blitz tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and that's not unsurprising with, <laughs> with uh, the February signing day looming uh, right around the corner. So, uh, it, it, it's and now the, all of the new guys are on staff. They are in town, and I think that that you know making making it an event and making it public makes it very. I'm not sure that it's any different than what the other staff may have done. This staff is making it public and making it consumable to the fan base. And I think there are a lot of feel goods involved with that, and that's great. Luke Pascal was a member of MTSU's first FBS bowl team, and as you said, he has been at Louisiana the last couple of years. Um, last year, Zylan Perry led the nation in kickoff return yards, and the Raging Cajuns blocked two kicks last year, giving them seven over the over. Pascal's two seasons down there. So um, they they and he really get after it on special teams, and that'll be interesting to see how that translates to Johnny Red Floyd Stadium this fall. Like you said, Chip, um, Luke Pascal, the new special teams coordinator, they've also hired a linebacker's coach, a running back's coach, a tight end's coach, um obviously that staff started to take shape and and as you mentioned with the February signing date right around the corner not a moment too soon I don't guess That's right you know there there was you know and and you know the other part of this is that a lot of these guys have been in the process and uh there are HR uh processes mm-hmm. and time schedules and hurdles that have to be uh that have to be crossed so you know their actual arrival date ends up being much earlier than when it gets out public 
So, so the, you know, they, they, it, it's not like, you know, I think the linebacker coach came out today and, but it, I think he's probably been there at least a week or so. And, you know, and, and one thing Derek has talked about publicly is, is while there was a sense of urgency to get him in, uh, he, he wanted to take his time and make sure he got it right. And, and I can appreciate that. Uh, and, and, but I'm, I'm probably a little more old school and I prefer a regular oven than a microwave oven. So, uh, that, that there's something to be said for that. And, and I, you know, and I think he's been coached up very well in things that the fan base had some frustrations with. Um, and you know, that is, you know, part of that is being in the community. Part of that is, you know, being more open and, uh, with, you know, about recruiting and signings and where you are and this and that and whatever. So, and we've already seen, you know, a lot, a lot of being out in public, whether it was the meet and greet or whether it was the Christmas parade or at women's basketball games last week. And I'm sure they'll be at men's basketball games this week, but, but they're, they're hitting the right buttons as far as, you know, doing things that, uh, the fans have put out there, Hey, this is something we want. Here's something that we think we need. And, you know, it will help reinvigorate the fire within me. And that's, you know, talking as that what, what you read fans saying on social media, things like that. So it's going to be, you know, as, as this process goes along, it is going to be interesting to see how they continue to play it out. And also it won't be too long before we get, the uh, concrete plans on um, on what they what they're going to do for spring practice, and and he has promised that there will be a spring game this year, and uh, so we'll get a date on that here. I would say within the next couple of weeks, we'll have a, a much better idea of when that's going to be. And it feels like Chip, for all of that that you mentioned, it's not forced. You know, it, which which speaks to the fit that Derek Mason is and the job that President McPhee and Chris Massaro didn't identify in him. I mean, he's he's not having to work at the meet and greets and the other stuff that he's doing to, you know, get out in the public. Well, I mean, those are those are. All of us have different personalities and and things we enjoy doing and 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 things we don't enjoy as much and and in you know in the coaching world there are so many facets to you know to being a football coach or an assistant football coach and everything from you know sitting there watching twelve hours of film a day or you know working with an individual guy or a group of players or whatever it may be to the part of being in public and it comes easier and some people race it more and I think Derek that's that's not breaking news that he embraces that type of thing and and uh and I, I think he's really good at it and uh and, and and really delivers he knows how to deliver a message uh that that does that attention. So uh, I think, you know, the face is ready to eat all that up that they can get. 
The Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Successful road trip for the Lady Raiders? Well, especially when they were at home. Yeah. Uh, in those, those two. The, they were the, at home, my fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that made it even more successful. That, that's right. Dad. We. Yeah. Um, yeah, but and and, and you know and and, I, and yeah they 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 played well, uh, got a got a nice win over UTEP, who is a team that has just given them fits over the last couple of years, and uh, and then uh, after uh, New Mexico State had stunned Western Kentucky on Thursday night, uh, they rolled into Murphy Center and 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 Middle just kind of blitzkrieged them and one, had they doubled doubled them up uh by halftime and end up winning by 40 uh and and Savannah Wheeler was named Conference USA player of the week and and um and you know they're 4 and 0 now and 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 they go on the road now to face uh they they got into Jacksonville today they'll play Jacksonville State tomorrow night and and then go to FIU, and so far FIU is unbeaten in conference mm -hmm. play and doing a lot of boasting at this point. Oh, uh, and yeah, uh, because they so are, they are as, as you program. we know Coach Ensel well enough that <laughs> they, do what FIU is currently in Charlie Cream's uh, bracketology and not Middle Tennessee State. Mm, well, Charlie Cream going. Well, Charlie you know. Uh, how do you think that's uh, sitting with Rick Ensel? I know how it's sitting with Rick Ensel. Probably pretty good. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, who does FIU play midweek? Do we know? Chip has. Chip. Have we lost Chip? Or Chip we lost. He ain't even moved. How, how do we lose him? Um, that's interesting. Anyway. We get Chip back. We'll we'll ask him. FIU women's basketball. I don't know. There they are. There he is. He's back. Yeah, I, I was seeing everything, but the but the two screens, uh, the whole layout and all that. I was seeing it. But anyway, what you were talking, I, I don't know how much you heard, but basically, to use a Nick Saban quote, for for FIU to be on that list in middle knot, that's some yummy rat poison for Rick Ensel to give to his team. And and I'm certain he is. Um, the women, FIU plays Western Thursday, I guess, ahead of that MTSU game, which makes sense because they're travel partners. So you're at home now, though, after taking a bit of a trip out west and missing all of the weather. I didn't miss all of it, and uh, and and the weather uh, also. So uh, played a role in that trip too. We had a flight canceled on Wednesday uh, for our trip out, and they ended up having to divide the uh, travel party. Uh, let's see, what seventeen went out on on Wednesday late, and then I was in the group of thirteen that went out on Thursday that finally got to El Paso three hours before tip off, and. Uh, but uh, once we all got there, the, tra the trip went, uh, all the travel parts of it went well. The Blue Raiders uh, did, did not take care of the basketball very well at UTEP. You shoot 
out-rebound them by 13, and then turn the ball over 27 times. If you take out that last stat or even cut it in half, you're in a great position to win. But you, when you do that, you you give yourself no chance to win. 27. You know, the same thing, You 27. I'm not sure I've ever seen that. Um, you go to New Mexico State two days later, two days later, and you 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 don't shoot it quite as well. You rebound it pretty well. You shoot it from three a little better. You get 18 points from Trey Green on six mm-hmm. made threes, but you cut your turnovers in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is 13 and a half. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, man, it's just as many, you can do a lot of things in basketball and still win. But turning turning the ball ball over is not one of them. No, and I mean, like he said, again, 27 turnovers in a 40-minute game. I mean, that's that's hard. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those, how do you do that? With a 30-second shot clock, that's Potentially every possession. It's, it's a lot of possessions that end empty. Yeah. So, that's, that's Chip, insane. Chip, Chip, where yes, are you? Where are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I was, you, you, the, the interesting thing is the framework of the show, I was still seeing, but, but my window and your window were both uh, grinding. Right. But I am, I was, I, I had really good Wi Fi there. I'm at uh, in Manchester, but now I'm uh, I'm now rolling out of Manchester back toward Murfreesboro. Come on, come well, on. We may see you. Come tonight. on. Well, let me. I, I want to ask you something, Chip. What because... were you about to say? <laughs> you said let me, and I thought you. Was... Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Chip. Um, you mentioned splitting the travel party going out. Is that something that y'all prepare for, or that that someone prepares for? In advance, I mean, is there a list of who goes in the event that something like that takes place, or was that a shift on the fly situation? Well, I, I, it was it, it was it was a shift on the fly, but the thing is, Coach McDevitt has had has had some of this in his head a little bit, and basically, the thought is to get all the scholarship players and as many coaches as possible on the earliest possible flight. And you had myself, uh, Thomas Donnelly, uh, the media relations director, our social media person, the walk-ons and a cup and an injured player. Uh, all, we all came later. So, what what it uh, again, what it really allowed for was that the starters and key reserves and coaches were all and they had they want to have they want to be able to take ten players so they can have enough for a full practice that 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 is part of the probably unwritten plan but the airlines have a lot to say about that by how many seats they could get they. They were able to get 17 seats on a flight on Wednesday, so that worked out getting 10 players, five coaches, uh, and uh, an operations person, and the trainer 
all on that early flight and the rest of us came later. So that's how that, that's kind of how the division was made. Mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated with road trip logistics, how that works. A story that I've always wanted to do and have never been able to was just the anatomy of a road trip. Let me tell you well, how it works in D3. You get on a yeah. bus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you ride however far that bus has to take you. It will. Yeah. Yeah. And then you eat. Well, I mean, you, and you, you're lucky Chick-fil-A. Most of the time it's Little Caesars. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ex I mean, exactly. There's, I mean, there's, but I mean, it's, but, you know, a bus to El Paso, you'd have to leave on like Sunday to get there by Thursday. But, you know, it, our trip back, I mean, we had no, no problems on the trip back, but I think I tweeted Sunday morning when we were getting ready to leave the hotel. I said, okay, here we go. Two buses, two airplanes, three airports, and 1,400 miles and nine hours. That's our trip home. And so that's what it was. Planes, trains, and automobiles, huh? <laughs> it was. It was. Oh, goodness. Um, and those are, those are not pillows. And so... <laughs> That's what makes it fun, though, right, Chip? You never know what to expect. It, I mean, I, I used to get real an anxious when there were, you know, logistical errors, and it's taken me un until, you know, my my sixth decade here of living to kind of think, you know, you can only control the controllables and do the best you can. Uh, like, and I, I'll give you just the little fire drill scenario that ended up happening is is on Thursday here the second group is on its way and I like every time we make a move I'm texting the ops guy hey we're we're taxiing out of Nashville on time we're we landed in Dallas on time uh, our flight is leaving Dallas on time and so what happened was we were to land in El Paso at like 4.15, we actually got in a few minutes, probably 10 minutes early, but the team bus in El Paso was at the airport waiting to pick us up. Well, the rest of the team was still at the hotel getting dressed and ready to go to the arena. So in the meantime, I text a buddy of mine out in El Paso and say, hey, can you pick me up and take me straight to the arena where I can get my equipment set up and then be ready for the team when they get to the arena? So he did that, and I got to the arena at 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. I got set up at about 5.20. The team gets there. I do my pregame interviews, finish out my notes, and I'm ready to go, and I don't see the hotel until after the game that night. But it all worked out. It's just you have to uh, you just have to kind of think ahead. And when you know when you know when you get tossed the lemons, you got to figure out where the lemon squeezer is, and then go from there. And and you know and and Coach McDevitt's really good, and and we've got an excellent ops person in Rob Burlingham, who they they as soon as the first flight got canceled they're immediately on a conference call with the uh, travel agent that deals with most of the sports but you're, mo you're right your story you need to get with larry maples 
uh, you know, and, and before next year, before that first road trip to either, whether it's Memphis or Ole Miss, I can't remember which one comes first, but, uh, and, and just kind of talking about what it's like a troop transport, uh, moving all the provisions and people, uh, to get there. And it, 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 it takes a lot of organization and, uh, and in particular in football when you're dealing with so many people. Absolutely. Chip Walters, the Blue Raider voice, joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Chip, as always, we appreciate it. Safe travels, and we will try to catch up with you next Tuesday. Now, Mr. Yao, are you coming to the yeah, borough tomorrow night? We both may be there before, during, before, during, and after yeah. this show. Ah, okay. Well, make sure you say hello. Oh, don't worry. We will. We will. Be safe, man. See you. Bye-bye. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk very briefly about last night's NBA action because it needs to be spoken about. And then we'll get into the top five Tuesday. Stick around. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Wong. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy in Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy in Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. All right. Welcome back. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton. Just about 12 minutes away from the 4 o'clock hour where we say goodbye for the day. Come mm-hmm. back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Um, but first, talk a little bit about last night's NBA action. We don't do a whole lot of NBA talking on this show, but after the performances of, well, Embiid, Cat, and Brandon Miller with Cat mm-hmm. in a loss, is 62, would that have made our top five best performances in a loss? Certainly consider it, <laughs> especially the way he did it again. He hit 10 threes, 10 twos, and 10 free throws, or 10 or more of each. Yeah. So. Uh, it's pretty cool. That was pretty nuts to me. And then again, to look up after that, and Embiid had 70. Yeah. And then his coach was talking trash about him after the game. Catch coach. Yeah. 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 He was clearly chasing a number. Yeah, 
the oh. number that the other team had on the scoreboard. He was chasing that, trying and, to get and, ahead of it. And, and clearly it didn't work in part because he sat him late. Yeah, I, you know, Brandon Miller went for 27 on 10 of 13 shooting or something like that. I mean, he was insane too. Is that his best guy? Yeah. Good for him. Hey, he had a great game. And, and yet the two of them combined for, what, 90, what, 95 no. or something? They were playing against each other. Miller's team won. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. Miller had 27. Somebody else had 28. For um, Minnesota? For, for Charlotte. For Charlotte? Let's see. Um. If somebody had 28, it was off the bench. No. Oh, yo, Bridges. Um, Whomever that is. But, yeah. I Miles thought, Bridges. I saw that. I thought he had 28, and then. Mm -hmm. And Miller Brandon had Miller had 27. 27 and On 11 of 13. <laughs> yeah, Miller had 27 in 29 minutes. That's solid. Yeah. And, again, MB was 70. On the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's 81-point game. Maybe it's just something about the date. Maybe so. I don't know if they were chasing the number because of Kobe's night or, or what that was. And that's I don't I've never heard of a coach being mad at a guy for scoring sixty-two points. That's, and yet he was. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild to me. I, I wish that I wish we had the audio from from his press conference because he was Angry. Uh, so apparently when the Timberwolves went to halftime, they learned that Embiid had 59 through three. Players were buzzing as they came back to the court asking assistant coaches for updates on where Embiid finished so they oh. could help Towns surpass it. So the players were trying to get the number the number two. Okay. But I think I think Cat had 44 at halftime. So I didn't realize they were playing so closely together in real time because I saw Cat's number way before I saw that Embiid had scored 70. So. Yeah, I got I got an ESPN notification that of, of Embiid 70. Hmm. But man, that was that was wild. I mean, what a night in the NBA sure. for that. So all right, let's get into our top five. Top five Tuesday again. Mid-South five fitness to find folks at Mid-South 5 Fitness, keeping you healthy. Just give them a call at stillathletes.com, at S-T-E-E-L, athletes on Instagram. Top five greatest performances by first-year football coaches. College or pro. Any level. Is this going by, by the season or one? Yeah. Their, their first season as a coach of a team does not have to be their first coach, their first job as a head coach. But not one specific like performance as in not like one game, their whole season. No, 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 Correct. not one, one game, season. one season. Yes. Okay. So let's go to the Google number generator. Boom. All right. Number one. No, you're going to be third and fourth. fourth. 
<laughs> Justin, you'll be one and I will be two. So. All right. Okay. Start us. Let's go with, I'm going to go for my number one. Um, just had it here. Hold on. Sorry. Yeah. Urban Meyer. Um, it's a good one. In Ohio State, year 2012. Um, went 12-0, but the team was ineligible for postseason play due to some sanctions thrown mm-hmm. on them. Due to some tattoos. Yeah, yeah. We and autographs. We go UM. Autographs and tattoos. Yeah. All right, my number one. Uh, it'd be kind of hard to not go with one of two. And so I'm going to go with George Seifert of the 49ers who won Super Bowl 24 in his first year. That's, it, it doesn't, it does not get much better than that than winning a Super Bowl. So yeah, go ahead. Mo. Um, number three, unless you're winning a national championship and Larry Coker did that in his first year in Miami, 2001. No, me and you could have done that. Well, but he did it. He did do it. He did it. I'm going to give him credit for it. So number four. Oh, number four. Wow. Number four. Um, Jim Caldwell took over for Tony Dungy at Indianapolis in 2009, led the Colts to a 14 and two regular season record and a runner up finish in the Super Bowl. So I'm going with him. All right. I'm going to go with, again, another guy who won the Super Bowl, Don McCafferty, Baltimore Colts in 1971. Beat the Cowboys. In Super Bowl five, <laughs> Justin number six and seven. Uh, I'm gonna go with the boy D'Amico Ryan's. Um, oh, he, him and C.J. Stroud, crazy things to come from then. Isn't it funny? I, I was hating on them hard for that you first playoff game, but now I'm like a huge bandwagon fan. So <laughs> don't blame me. It's okay. It is okay. Okay. And your uh, next one? My next one is. Uh, and this may not – it says it's his first one, but um, John Madden mm-hmm. took uh, the Col- or the Raiders to a 12-1 and season. 12-1-1, um, one one, I think. Yeah. 12-1-1, yeah. One one, correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he took one. them from uh, a bad record, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Comment. I'm going to go with this next guy. If for nothing else, not only did he go undefeated at 11 and 0, coming off of a 2 5 and 1 season the year before, but we got some of the coolest college football merch in history because of it. Audacity. Awesome. <laughs> Terry Bowden, 1993. That was on my list. Did not get to claim the national championship because they were ineligible. ineligible. Um, my number three pick, speaking of national championships that you and I could have won, <laughs> Dennis Erickson in 1989 at Miami won 11-1 and won a national championship. Um, thank you, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, when you inherit the two best rosters in the history of college football, it would be really hard yeah, not to win. Yeah, the, 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 the accomplishment isn't winning a national championship. It would probably be a not winning one. But yeah, it's still. I'm going to give those guys their, their props. Um, it's my turn again, it isn't is. it? 
Um, I'm going to go with the reason for this list or the reason for the reason for this list. Bill Callahan in 2002 led the Raiders to an 11 and five finish and a Super Bowl loss in his first year there. He was elevated from offensive line coach after John Gruden left and they lost to Gruden and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that Super Bowl. But Bill Callahan is my number four pick. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to go just up the street to Thompson Station, where Jason Eubanks took the Independence Eagles to the state finals in 2007 in his first season at the helm of the Eagles going 11-4. and four. Losing two? I have no idea. Sonny Gray. Oh, and Smyrna. And Smyrna. That's right. <laughs> we talked about that earlier yeah. in the football season. So there you go. All right. Justin, your uh, two, fourth right? and final pick. You do have two, yes. So Sean Payton, uh, 2005, or right. sorry, took uh, the Saints 06. from 3-13 in 2005 to 10-6 in the NFC Championship game the next season yep. in 06. And my fifth one is, this is going to be a shocker, but a sleeper as well. Rex Ryan, 9-7, and seven, number one overall defense, and brought them to an AFC Championship, those, those Jets. Okay. Rex Ryan. Yeah. My final one, I'm going to go Jim Caldwell, even though they lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. No, I already did Jim oh, Caldwell. You, you can't have you him. I, I, you, you can't have Jim Caldwell. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I guess I was reading and missed it. Uh, let me go with Chris Peterson, 2006, undefeated Boise State. And I have the Oklahoma State, mm -hmm. the, the Statue of Liberty. That was great. Yeah, Ian Johnson. Yes. Um, proposing to his girlfriend after a game. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, my final pick and um, honorable mention goes to Bill Battle at UT for going ten and one in nineteen seventy, mm -hmm. winning the Sugar Bowl. But Josh Heupel, two thousand eighteen, Central Florida, twelve and one, won the AAC and national championship. Right. That's what I heard. Yeah, so so they say. The people's champ. There we go. That's Top 5 Tuesday, Mid-South 5 Fitness. Come back tomorrow, 2 o'clock. We've got more Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint live from the Lee Company studio. It may be live from MTSU. We'll see you guys then. Have a good one.